This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF. This is the London Visited podcast on your favourite podcast provider, bringing to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Steve and welcome to our podcast. We're here for all things London and to tell you more behind some of the iconic places and people in London's history. In this episode, we go to the Dorchester Hotel. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering so many different places across London. Also, if you love the podcast and the channel, why not join us as a member? Join our group of what we like to call our London Visited Crown Jewels, where there are many different benefits, including a members-only monthly podcast. Have a look by going to www.patreon.com forward slash London Visited. And now to this week's podcast. The Dorchester is a five-star luxury hotel on Park Lane and Deanery Street in London, to the east of Hyde Park. It is one of the world's most prestigious and expensive hotels. The Dorchester opened on the 18th of April 1931 and still retains its 1930s furnishings and ambience, despite being modernised. Throughout its history, the hotel has been closely associated with the rich and famous. During the 1930s, it became known as a haunt of numerous writers and artists, such as poet Cecil Day-Lewis, novelist Somerset Maugham, and the painter Sir Alfred Munnings. During the Second World War, the strength of its construction gave the hotel the reputation of being one of London's safest buildings, and notable members of political parties and the military chose it as their London residence. The hotel has since become particularly popular with film actors, models and rock stars, and Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton frequently stayed at the hotel throughout the 1960s and 70s. The hotel became a Grade II listed building in January 1981 and was subsequently purchased by the Sultan of Brunei in 1985. It belongs to the Dorchester Collection, which in turn is owned by the Brunei Investment Agency, an arm of the Ministry of Finance of Brunei. In the 1950s, the stage set designer Oliver Messi made a number of changes to the interior of the hotel. Between 1988 and 1990, the hotel was completely renovated at a cost of 100 million US dollars by Bob Lush of the Richmond Design Group. Today, the Dorchester has five restaurants, the Grill, Alain de Case, the Spatisserie, the Promenade, and the China Tang. Alain de Case's restaurant is one of the UK's five three Michelin star restaurants. Afternoon tea a tradition which has taken place at the hotel since its opening in 1931, is served every day of the week at five in the afternoon in the promenade and the spatisserie. Henry Craddock, a well-known barman in the 1930s, invented the Dorchester of London cocktail here at the Dorchester Bar. A well-lit plain tree stands on the edge of the hotel in the front garden and was named one of the great trees of London by the London Tree Forum and Countryside Commission in 1997. The site was originally part of the Manor of Hyde, which was given to William the Conqueror and Geoffrey de Mandeville. 
Joseph Damer acquired it in the 18th century and a large building was constructed in 1751. It was named Dorchester House in 1792 after Damer became the Earl of Dorchester. In the early 19th century, it became the Hartford House after it was purchased by Francis Seymour Conway, the third Marquis of Hartford, and alterations were made to it, inspired by the Villa Financia of Rome. Following the death of Hartford, it was converted into a mansion by Captain Robert Stainer Holford. The background to the development of the Dorchester Hotel is complicated. Sir Malcolm McAlpine, a partner of the building company Sir Robert McAlpine and Sons, and Sir Francis Tao, the managing director of Gordon Hotels Limited, shared a vision for creating the perfect hotel. Ultra-modern and ultra-efficient, with all the conveniences modern technology could supply. The two companies purchased Hartford House in 1929 and quickly demolished it. The British Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC, had shown an interest in purchasing it and had almost done so prior to the McAlpine acquisition, but instead they turned their attention to Foley House. The purchase and destruction of Hartford House was part of significant redevelopment which took place on Park Lane during this period. It followed the gutting of Grosvenor House and the building of the Grosvenor House Hotel, which was completed in 1929. Sir Owen Williams was commissioned to design the new hotel, using reinforced concrete to allow the creation of large internal spaces, without support pillars, but he abandoned the project in February 1930 and was replaced with William Curtis Green. James Maud Richards, hired by Williams, served as an architectural assistant with the all-engineer staff. Percy Morley Holder, consulting architect at Gordon's Hotels, had not been consulted during the design process and, after seeing the plan, redesigned from the project, remarked to the observer that the design was ill-suited for the location, assuming the concrete was to be left unpainted and that the insulation would be minimal. Some 40,000 tonnes of earth were excavated to make room for the hotel's extensive basement, which is one-third of the size of the hotel above the surface. The upper eight floors were erected in just 10 weeks, supported on a massive three-foot-thick reinforced concrete deck that forms the roof of the first floor. With the development of the Dorchester, concerns were raised that Park Lane would soon become New York City's Fifth Avenue. The new Dorchester Hotel was fitted with a grand opening on the 18th of April, 1931, by Lady Violet Astor. The Dorchester quickly gained reputation as a luxury hotel. During the 1930s, it became known as a haunt of numerous writers and artists, such as the poet Cecil Day-Lewis, novelist Somerset Maud, and the painter Sir Alfred Munnings. There were prestigious literary gatherings, including the Falls Literary Luncheons, an event the hotel still hosts. Shortly after the opening, Sir Percival David, a leading admirer of Chinese porcelain, moved his growing collection from the Mayfair Hotel to the Dorchester, where he kept it in his suites for many years. Danny Kaye began appearing in cabaret at the hotel in the 1930s, initially earning £50 a week. Many blues and jazz artists appeared at the hotel, including Alberta Hunter and the Jack Jackson Orchestra. In 1934, Hunter was the vocalist on Jackson's recording of Noel Coward's I Travel Alone and Cole Porter's Miss Otis Regrets, at the hotel. Both Coward and Porter were fans. It also became a rendezvous for many businessmen. It was at the Dorchester that British Petroleum formed a joint collaborate committee with ICI in 1943. During the Second World War, the strength of its construction gave the hotel the reputation of being one of London's safest buildings. On its opening, Sir Malcolm McAlpine, 
declared it to be a bomb-proof, earthquake-proof and fireproof, and the only damage inflicted on the building by the Luftwaffe during the war was several broken windows. Some felt the communal air raid shelter in the basement to be insufficiently exclusive and retreated to the hotel's underground gymnasium and Turkish baths, which had been converted into a shelter by Victor Casale. Its wartime clientele included Lord Halifax, Foreign Minister, Oliver Stanley, Minister for War, Air Chief Marshal Sir Charles Portal, Chief of the Air Staff, Duff Cooper with his wife Lady Diana Cooper, Oliver Littleton, President of the Broader Trade, and Duncan Sandys, Financial Secretary to the War Office. Halifax and his wife took eight rooms as well as a chapel in the hotel, and when possible he enjoyed trysts with his mistress, Alexandra Baba Metcalf, who was also staying in the hotel and concurrently having an affair with Dino Grandi, Mussolini's representative in London. General Dwight D. Eisenhower took a suite on the first floor, now the Eisenhower Suite, in 1942, after having previously stayed at Claridge's, and in 1944 he made it his headquarters. Kay Summersby, his chauffeur and purported mistress, and Roosevelt's representative, Avril Harriman, also stayed there thanks to its reputation as a safe haven. During a dinner party which Harriman attended in the Dorchester, the bombing was so intense that guests came down to join him there, as it was safer than in the upper floor rooms. Bostonian Sherry Magnan of the time was one of several American correspondents who stayed at the hotel during the war, meeting the Trotskyist Sam Gordon in 1944 who asked if the Dorchester was safe from air raids, to which Mangan assured him that every fifth colonist in London is staying here. In 1949, the 150th anniversary of Alexander Pushkin's birth was organised at the hotel by the Society of Cultural Relations with the USSR, attended by the Soviet Chargé d'Affaires, the Polish ambassador, the Romanian minister and Cecil Day-Lewis, raising MI5 suspicions that he still had communist sympathies a contention he later denounced. In the post-war period, the Dorchester became one of the most popular hotels in London for actors and entertainers, and the banqueting rooms and suites became known for their press conferences and parties. Queen Elizabeth II attended the Dorchester when she was a princess on the day prior to the announcement of her engagement to Philip Mountbatten on the 10th of July 1947. Philip also held his stag night party at the hotel, which has been documented in a plaque. When Saeed bin Tumar of Oman was ousted in a coup in July 1970 and replaced with his son, he was sent in exile and lived at the Dorchester until his death in 1972. The McAlpine family owned the hotel until 1977 when they sold it to a consortium of businessmen from the Middle East, headed by the Sultan of Brunei. On the 3rd of June 1982, the Israeli ambassador to the United Kingdom was shot and seriously injured in an assassination attempt as he left the Dorchester. The attack was the immediate cause for the 1982 Lebanon War. In 1985, the hotel was purchased by the Sultan of Brunei. The hotel, currently owned by the Dorchester Collection, which is in turn owned by the Brunei Investment Agency, an arm of the Ministry of Finance of Brunei. The Dorchester Collection owns luxury hotels in the United Kingdom and the United States, France, Switzerland and Italy. In 1988, the hotel closed for two years in a major refurbishment. In June 1998, the brother of the Sultan of Brunei was sued by his former business partners in a case that was settled out of court. During the case, it was claimed that the prince kept 40 prostitutes at a time at the Dorchester. In 1999, the hotel hosted the first ever Pride of Britain Awards. 
In March 2002, a robbery took place in the lobby of the hotel when thieves wearing ski masks smashed the jewellery cabinets with a sledgehammer and took off with the jewels. The Dorchester celebrated its 80th anniversary in 2011. To mark the event, the charity Trees for Cities planted 80 future great trees around the capital. The architectural style adopted by William Curtis Green, largely based on Owen Williams' design, was a departure from the neoclassical with its reinforced concrete covered over with terrazzo slabs. British modernists were disappointed with the result, describing Green's adaptation as a genteel period piece, which looks the compromise it is. The comparison to some other hotels in London, such as the Landsborough, the building's exterior is unremarkable. It is eight stories high aside from the ground floor, with the central bay containing three windows on each floor. Christopher Matthew has stated that he thinks of the Dorchester as a rather American hotel, not only because of the strong association with American actors, such as Elizabeth Taylor, but because the sweeping 1930s facade reminded him of so many of those which appeared in American film musicals. However, he notes that the hotel still remains very much an English hotel. The interior displays a subtle amalgam of styles, testament to the number of different designers involved over the years. Green designed the original interior, which is still retained in part. It is believed that this fusion of style was achieved tastefully and has remarked that the Dorchester Hotel is a good example of somewhere it may be better to add decor rather than completely reinvent. DK Eyewitness describes the Dorchester as the epitome of the glamorous luxury hotel with an outrageously lavish lobby and a star-studded history. Gold leaf and marble remain distinct features of the public rooms of the hotel, including the restaurants, with features more reminiscent of an English country house than a hotel. Considerable efforts to make the room soundproof at the Dorchester were made from the outset. The exterior walls were faced with cork, and the floors and ceilings of the bedrooms and suites were lined with compressed seaweed. Following renovation, the hotel was fitted with double glazing, a triple glazing on the Park Lane side to further improve soundproofing. In the 1950s, stage set designer Oliver Mensel made significant changes to the interior of the hotel. He incorporated aspects of stage design into the hotel interior and designed the lavish apartments on the 7th and 8th floors. As Country Life documented, Marcel's rooms of the hotel represents a rare glimpse into the world of the mid-20th century interior design, in which he drew upon his skills as a theatre designer to fill his rooms with tricks of space and light, colour and period reference. Today, one of the suites is named after him, the Oliver Mensor Suite, designed in the Georgian country house style. As of 2012, the Dorchester has 250 rooms and 49 suites. In the rooms, specially made Irish linen sheets cover the four poster beds with cherry wood furnishings. The bathtubs, cited as probably the deepest in London, are made of Italian marble in the Art Deco style. All rooms in the hotel either provide views of Hyde Park or its landscape terraces. During the major renovation of 2002, all rooms and suites were fitted with modern telecommunication systems. The hotel has its own floristry team who are responsible for regularly updating the flowers on display in the hotel and providing their services for weddings and special occasions. A plain tree with its monumental root system stands at the edge of the hotel in the well-tended front garden. The branches of the tree are fitted with numerous bulbs, which makes the night scene of the hotel evocative. Named one of the great trees of London by the London Tree Forum and Countryside Commission in 1997, it featured in a BBC programme, 
meetings with remarkable trees in 2000. The hotel has continued to be associated with actors, rock stars, and people in entertainment. Numerous film actors and people have auditioned, been interviewed, or have stayed at the Dorchester over the years, and it is strongly associated with cinema, particularly American film. From the 1940s onwards, the Dorchester was a common rendezvous for film producers, actors, and casting agents. In 1940, Gabriel Pascal and David Lean used Pascal's hotel suite as the casting location for the movie, Major Barbara. Deborah Kerr, who auditioned for the film, said of it, How bizarre it was. This room full of chaps smoking enormous cigars and drinking martinis, and this young girl reciting the Lord's Prayer. In the 1940s, producer Earl St. John was found drunk at the hotel. Writer and co-producer Eric Ambler promptly sent him back to John Davis in a taxi with a board around his neck, with the words, Return to John Davis, with compliments. Ray Bradbury stayed at the hotel during filming of Moby Dick in 1956. In 1964, John Lennon was invited to attend one of the four literary luncheons after he received acclaim for his book, In His Own Right. John and Cynthia were unaware of the high profile of the event and attended with a hangover, with Lennon disappointing the crowd which had gathered at the Dorchester who were expecting a speech, simply muttering, Thank you very much, it's been a pleasure. The hotel has also hosted many footballers attending the FA Cup finals over the years, and in 1961, Leicester City players checked in before playing Tottenham Hotspur. In 1972, Raquel Welsh visited Stamford Bridge and invited the Chelsea Football Club team back to the cocktail party at the Dorchester, which was also attended by the Rolling Stones. On the 28th of August 2007, an honorary dinner for Nelson Mandela was held at the Dorchester on the eve of the unveiling of his statue on Parliament Square. It was also at the Dorchester suite that the actor Christian Bale was alleged to have assaulted his mother and sister shortly before the Dark Knight premiere in July 2008 and was subsequently arrested. In 2014, numerous celebrities started boycotting the hotel due to its links, via the Sultanate, to the introduction of Sharia law in Brunei. In March 2019, George Clooney renewed calls for the Dorchester and other hotels owned by the Sultanate to be boycotted, after the Sultanate adopted a policy of death by stoning as punishment for gay sex. In April 2019, Clooney's call was echoed by Ellen DeGeneres and Elton John. In the same month, Deutsche Bank banned its staff from staying at Brunei-owned hotels. The Financial Times and TV Choice Awards said that they would cancel events that had been planned at the Dorchester. And the English National Ballet, the Make-A-Wish Foundation and Tempest magazine said they would review their associations with the Dorchester. Protesters demonstrated outside the Dorchester against the Sultanate's policies. So, I hope you've enjoyed our look at the very posh, the very expensive and the very exclusive Dorchester Hotel. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any places that you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, www.londonvisited.co.uk or via our social media. It's really that easy. Thanks for listening and really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one.